What's going on? That one felt a little bit weird, but holy, what's going on? My name is John Yerkes. Welcome to another episode of Yerkes Talks. Yeah, I was trying to get really high up there. I just wasn't. What's going on? That's yeah, that's about that's better. <laughs> Hope everyone's having a really good week so far. A lot of great sports last night. I was loving everything. Oh, man. Nuggets clinching. They come back. We'll definitely get into that for sure. There was also another good basketball game. We had some baseball as well. We will get into all of that for sure. And then to end out this episode, we're going to be talking my top 10 NFL teams after week one. We'll be getting into that too. You can follow me at John Yerkes on Twitter. You should follow me. I was banger tweets last night from yours truly. Really, really solid. You know, we were tweeting about the Nuggets. We were retweeting baseball. I think even football made an appearance. Go check it out, at John Yerkes on Twitter. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, at Yerkes Talks. Without any further ado, let's get into it. We're going to start with basketball. We had Game 1, Celtics Heat. This has the potential to be a very good series. I am all about it. Jimmy Butler, I got love ever since his Chicago days. Jason Tatum, who just I continue to be impressed with. The Celtics were in control for most of this one. Marcus Smart, again. He's my MVP of the Celtics so far in the playoffs. He's just been so good. You know, I talked about earlier how he's their Draymond Green for the Golden State Warriors. He just does it all. He rebounds. He assists. He plays really good defense, and when he starts scoring, they're really tough to beat. Same on the Celtics. Marcus Smart is that guy. He's that high energy, get some people's faces right, a guy that you don't want to play against, but you definitely would love on your team. That's what he is, but he was super hot in this one. He was on fire. And then again, Jason Tatum. The more I watch this kid, the more I fall in love with his play every single time. 22 years old, this kid has been balling out. He just he wants the ball in the big moments, unlike certain players I know. Uh, Rockets. <laughs> he's he hit he's hit clutch shots in this series. He plays good defense. He's active. Really impressed with him. But yeah, like I said, the Celtics were in control for a majority of this one. You know, they went on runs. Miami was very up and down. In the first quarter, they had the worst shooting percentage they've had the entire playoffs. Then in the second, they had the best third quarter, hot and cold, up and down. But they just kept finding a way to stay in this game. That was what was the most impressive thing by them. The Celtics would get a lead, you know, maybe 10, 12 points, 8 points, something like that. And Miami would just be right back in it. Start of the fourth, Boston was up 14. And the Heat, they just they just do what they've been doing all playoffs. They start battling back. We go 40 seconds left in that quarter. Boston's leading by two, 105 to 103. Miami has the ball. Jimmy Butler gets the ball in the corner. Shot clock running down for three. Splash. Heat up one. 22 seconds left now. Boston gets the ball. They inbound. They try to inbound. And they get fouled. So in the NBA, it's a little weird. You know, if you're in the bonus and it's an inbound play, if you get fouled, you get it's almost like a technical. So you get a free throw shot and then you get the ball back. So Tatum goes to the line, he hits his free throw. So now the game's tied. 
And then the Celtics get the ball, right? So Tatum gets the ball. They inbound to Tatum. He's going to have the last shot. Five seconds left. He's dribbling. Step back three for the win. Hits the top of the rim. Or hits the front of the rim. Top of the rim. Jesus. He hits the front of the rim. We go to overtime. I looked like he was so good, too. He had so much confidence. That's what I love about him, man. 22 years old taking that shot. He wants the ball with the game on the line. You love to see it. Anyways, it didn't go, though, so we do go late into overtime. Kemba Walker, 30 seconds left. He drives. Pull-up jumper, good. Celtics lead 114-113. to 113. 20 seconds left now. Miami has the ball. Jimmy Butler, he drives the paint. He gets fouled and one, makes the layup. Heat up two. And they're doing it again. Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter being clutch. There goes that man. 12 seconds left, though. Tatum, this was the play of the game. You'll see it in the Instagram thumbnail. The highlight of the game. Bomb out of bio. Jason Tatum, he has the ball. 12 seconds left. Crossovers, drives drives to his right, goes up for the dunk, and bomb out of bio on the heat says, get that weak shit out of here with that. You don't bring that into my paint. Not up in here. Not up in here. He gets the block. He gets the rebound. He gets fouled. Huge moment in the game. He goes to the line. Only makes one of two free throws, right? So heat up three. Two and a half seconds left. Boston's ball. They gotta they have no timeouts. Can't advance the ball up to half court. Gotta inbound at the length. It's a similar play to game six against the Raptors, except it's reversed this time. Marcus Smart's the one inbounding. He, you know, throws it like a quarterback, chucks it down to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, he picks it up, stumbles a little bit, turnaround jumper for the tie to send it to double overtime. Hits the rim, bounces out. The Miami Heat, they do it again. They take game one in overtime, 117 to 114. Oh, man, it was a banger. On Miami's side, Drogic, God, his name is so... All these names, man, these Europeans, I swear to God, with all their... Not just Europeans, but like, golly, man. Drogic, oh, my God. He had 29 points. He had a great night. 11 of 19 from the field. Seven rebounds and seven assists as well. Jay Crowder, he was huge. His best game of the playoffs, 22 points. Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter and in overtime, he was great. He ended with 20 points and five assists. The man with the block, the MVP of game one, Bomb Adebayo. He put in 18 points, six rebounds, nine assists, and the ridiculous block on Tatum. And then finally, I want to shout out the rookie from Kentucky, Tyler Hero. He had 12 points in this game, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. He was killing it. He stepped up big time. Duncan Robinson from Michigan, from Miami. He was in foul trouble, didn't play a lot in the second half. This is the 10th straight game for Hero with at least 10 points. And that ties Dwayne Wade, the future Hall of Famer, for the longest streak in the playoffs by a rookie. He was also one assist away from that triple-double, and that would have tied Magic Johnson as the second youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double in the playoffs. He's been huge for Miami. They've been getting a lot of support from young players, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Again, Drogic's playing well. Jay Crowder, if he keeps this up, Miami's going to be really tough to beat. On Boston's side, Tatum again. He was dominant. 
30 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals. He also had a couple blocks. He does it all, this kid. Marcus Smart, again, he was on fire. Had a great night. 26 points, 6 of 13 from 3. Kemba Walker, he did put in 19, but again, he struggled. He even said in a post-game interview, I have to be better. 19 points, but 6 of 19 from the field. He just has to play better for this Boston team. You know, Jalen Brown also had 17 points. This is going to be a really good series. I'm super stoked. Game two is, I believe, on Thursday. It's going to be great. I, yeah, I love both these teams. I'd be happy if either of them won the whole thing. It's awesome, man. This, this, I, maybe it's because of Corona, but I've, my love for basketball has been, re- I guess my love, I've always loved basketball, but my love for the NBA has been rekindled. My heart has grown three sizes. <laughs> my NBA heart has grown three sizes <laughs> this day. <laughs> it's been remarkable. But let's get into the the real series here. The Denver Nuggets. Oh, the Denver Nuggets. Down 3-1. They win three games in a row. Upset the Clippers 104-89. Whew. What a series. This was all about Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. This was their night. This was their show. They came out. They balled out in a game seven. Let's start with the seven-footer from Serbia. He's been my favorite player to watch in the playoffs. The Clippers just have no answer for him. He's he's a freak of nature. He's so good. Um, their answer, they tried to stop him tonight. They decided, you know what? We're going to double him. And then we'll, we'll, we'll try to make other players beat us, right? Murray will have to pop off, which he did. Uh, <laughs> he'll have to pop off in order for them to beat us. He won't have an impact. Jokic is not going to be the one that beat us. Well, uh... Huge mistake because this big man, he, honestly, I'm just in awe of what he's able to do. He's seven, he's seven foot. He shoots the ball as well as any guard in the league. And he passes the ball like Steve Nash. It's incredible, man. All these players from Europe, they're just so, what I love about watching them, right? So Luka Doncic, the phenom for the Mavericks. And, you know, and that team already experienced the Europe sensation with Dirk. They're just so patient. You know, they they don't rush things, right? You, look, it, I know that Murray popped off last night, and we'll talk about him. But Don, um, Doncic, but Jokic won, is the MVP of this game. He was so great. Just, he was just had so much control on offense. Played, played solid defense as well. It was just fascinating to see, right, where he's just – Letting the game come to him, right? He just comes down, you know, does his thing, gets the pass, you know, drives, dishes, three, boom. It was just incredible to watch this entire game. He only took 13 shots. Only 13 this entire game. He finishes with 16 points, 22 rebounds, and 13 assists. Triple-double in game seven. He was on fire, man. You just couldn't do anything. I mean, how this guy can move so quickly, gets the ball at the top of the key, like takes a hard dribble left, go, acts like he's going up for a layup, and then with his offhand, dishes it to a cutting guard, and then he slams it home. It's it's sensational, man. It really is. I I think I'm gonna have to get a a Jokic jersey, honestly. Which one though? I don't know. We'll talk about it later. The other, but maybe I should get a Jamal Murray jersey because, oh man, he was incredible. 
He played 45 of 48 minutes. And it was it was just absolute peak playoff game seven performance. Game on the line, winner go home. He stepped up. Jamal Murray kept his team in it at half because it was the usual thing where the Clippers got off to a start. They had a lead, and then, like always, Denver just finds a way to keep going. Similar to Miami, where they just keep fighting, keep crawling back, possession after possession, good defense, forcing bad shots from the Clippers. Murray had 25 points in the first half. He cut the lead. They were only down. He cut the lead by the Clippers. They were only down two going into the third quarter. Denver came out hot. They took the lead and they just had it the rest of the game. It was insane. They were so good. He was he was huge for them beginning of the fourth quarter because Jokic was in some foul trouble. So he sat at the start of the fourth, and then it was just Murray out there with with basically bench players, and they not only kept their lead but they extended it as well. It was so impressive. He was great all night. 40 points on 15 of 26 shooting, 6 of 13 from 3. He also had 4 rebounds and 5 assists. It was just an all-time performance by the Nuggets point guard. He was sensational. Do want to shout out Harris and Grant on the Nuggets as well. They both had 14 in this one. And then, yeah, it was just over. By, by the time it hit the fourth quarter, it was just done. Clippers, no fight. This is the first team in Denver to overcome a 3-1 deficit twice in the same playoffs. They're 6-0 in elimination games. They were the better team in this series. But let's turn to the disappointing NBA team here. Another disappointing team. First it was the Bucks, And now we have the LA Clippers. They are 0-8 when they have a chance to clinch a conference final now all time. And it was just a self-implosion. That's really what it was. Uh, playoff Paul on this one and Kawhi Leonard, they combined for t- only 24 points. That's more than that's less than Murray had in a half. They were 10 of 38 from the field. Just you can't explain it, man. This is just. Yeah, I, I I cannot believe this happened. You know, you have the best roster in the league. You have sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell. And he actually had a great night, 20 points. You have Lou Williams, who he had, he was back-to-back sixth man of the year. So now not only you have a you have basically two sixth man of the years on your team. And they just couldn't make it, they couldn't get it done. All of this, all of this hype. All of this stuff with Paul George, right? He's going to step it up. Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best player in the NBA. All this stuff, loaded roster, and they can't make it to a final. You can make excuses for this team if you want to. You know, they're in a bubble, all the political stuff, things like that. New team coming together. I mean, they've just been inconsistent all year. I, I, I don't buy it. They took off games in the regular season, in the playoffs as well, where they just don't have any sense of urgency. They just don't have any desire. Kawhi Leonard was trying in the first half. He actually had a decent first half. He had 12 points, and he was doing everything, you know, playing good defense, getting rebounds, trying to assist his teammates, all this stuff, but he just needed more support. They didn't feed off his energy. He was very active in the first half, and they just never – they could never get that spark. And I thought that a coach like Doc Rivers 
would inspire them, you know, get them going. And it just didn't happen. The big, the big, you know, nail in the coffin was the fourth quarter. They were down eight. Like I said, Jokic was on, was not on the floor. No, he was not on the floor. He had foul trouble. You had a lot of Denver starters out as well. It was just Jamal Murray and a bunch of bench players. And in, and in a seven minute span, they go one of 11 from the field, the Clippers, and only score four points. They only scored 15 points in the fourth quarter in a game seven. In a win or go home, they completely shit the bed. They just, they were not good enough. And again, a team coached by Doc Rivers, a really great coach, a potential Hall of Famer coach, should probably get into the Hall of Fame. I don't know how you let this happen. And so, yeah, the Clippers, once again, they can't get it done. But tip of the cap to Denver, their head coach, great job by Mike Malone. That just instilling the confidence in that team backs against the wall. They do it again, and they move on to the Western Conference Final to play the Lakers. And I am looking forward to that one. Anthony Davis versus the Joker. I'm ready. We'll see if if Murray can keep it going too. Again, I gave him a lot of a lot of stick in the first couple games in this series, and I said he has to play better. And he not only played better, he was huge in Game Six and Game Seven. What a performance. I think I'm a Nuggets fan now. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, man. I'm a Nuggets fan now. Who, who would have thunk it? All right. That is enough NBA talk. Let's move on to baseball. And we'll start with some news from around the diamond. Ooh, new words today. Yeah, some news from around the league. So first things first, the Cubs walked it off last night against the Indians. They actually had a lead going into the top of the ninth. And uh, Jeremy Jeffries, who's the club's closer because Kimbrell is a pile. He's been he's been uh, the closer for the Cubs this year. He has seven saves on the season. Uh, couldn't get it done yesterday. He uh, gave up a walk to former Padre Josh Naylor. It's good to see him on the base path getting involved. And then two batters later, Francisco Lindor, who... Again, he's he was Fernando Tatis before Tatis, right? He was the he was the young, energetic guy, and he still is super young. So he's he's a Tatis that's already made it, and people have kind of forgot about him. But so he he hit a two run bomb to tie the game at five, and so you know all the momentum swing, you lose the lead, but you still go bottom of the ninth. And thank God that Cleveland's pitchers they just didn't want to win this game. You have Oliver Perez, who was in there trying to, you know, keep the game tied. He gives up a walk and then a single. And then Nick Whitgren, with two runners on, hits hits two batters back-to-back. And the Cubs literally walk it off to win 6-5. A couple of takeaways from this game. Javier Baez, he, <laughs> despite his hitting troubles, he hit a 450-foot moonshot in this one to center field and he also stole uh three bases in one inning uh, he went to steal senate steal second ball gets away from the indians has a great pop-up slide goes immediately to third indians aren't really paying attention javier Baez is thinking i'm i'm he's thinking i'm going home all the way takes home steals three bags in a row cubs get the walk-off win it was sensational. On the Indian side, 
Uh, it's a tough one to lose, and they have now lost seven in a row. The Reds are on a four-game heater. They beat a bad Pirates team. That's not really the highlight, but now they're one and a half or half a game. It's it's confusing this year because of Corona nonsense, and then also the Giants-Mariners game last night was was um, postponed due to weather, right? So in California right now, we have the fires going on. Stay safe out there, people. So, yeah, that game's been postponed. The Giants have to make up so many games now that I don't know if the Reds are a half game back or one and a half. I'm not sure how the math works, but the Reds, if they get in the playoffs, it could be a very scary team, right? Cy Young, candidate, Trevor Bauer in there. You have Amir Garrett in that bullpen. He gets his first save of the year last night. You, it, the hot teams going into the playoffs are always scary in any sport, right? Miami this year, you know, last year with football, Tennessee, the Titans. If you get hot going into the playoffs, anything can happen. The Brewers, they're also fighting for a wild card spot. They spanked the Cardinals last night, 18-3. to Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. He was so dominant last year. He's been really struggling. He only went three innings in this one. Gave up eight hits, nine runs, two walks. And this is crazy, actually. Had six strikeouts. So... Two-thirds of his outs were the way of the K. Very interesting to give uh, to give up nine runs and you strike out six. Yeah. Hopefully he'll, he'll I assume, he'll. I mean, hopefully he picks it up. I assume that he'll pick it up in the playoffs. Cardinals are always competitive. It's a very well-run organization. They'll figure things out and they'll be a threat in the playoffs. And then finally, the Yankees, they're getting hot. At the right time, like I talked about, getting hot at the right time, like the Reds now and the Brewers, they destroyed, they dis- completely dismantled the Blue Jays last night. 20-6 to was the final score. That makes six in a row for the Yankees. They're on a heater. Luke Voigt, he homered twice in this one. He now has 18 on the season, which is the lead, which makes him the leader in the MLB. That's how I wanted to say that sentence. It got a little jumbled. Luke Voigt is now your home run leader in Major League Baseball. There we go. I said it. All right. That is it for news from around the league. Let's talk pod squad. All right. So game two against the Dodgers last night. We had Davies on the mound versus Gonsolin. The Dodgers again would score first in this one and take a 1-0 league. Runner on second, Justin Turner. Coming back from IL. Welcome back, Justin. He had a good night. He hits an RBI single to left that drives in Mookie Betts. Top of the third now. We got runners on the corners for the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger, he's been struggling. He hits a single to right, though, that scores Turner. It's now 2-0 LA. But once again, this Padres team, like they've done all year, they fight back. They lead the they lead baseball with 20 comeback wins. Bottom of the third. Jerkson Profar, who's been great as of late, he doubles. Greg Garcia, he got the start in this one. He has a sack bunt that moves Profar to third. Trent Grissom comes up. Remember yesterday, or two days ago, he had that massive home run. You know, he was chirping. He had the swag rock. He uh, plays some good round ball here. He has a uh, the rare RBI bunt, and he reaches safely to score. Profar, it's now 2-1. to one. That was it for that inning, though. Couldn't get any more runs across. We go top of the fifth now. 
And the Dodgers, unfortunately, they add one more. Edwin Rios, he hits a solo shot. It's now 3-1 to one LA. It wasn't all bad, though, in this inning. We had two great defensive plays by Padres. The first, Manny Machado, he catches a line drive to third base. And then Trent Grisham, he makes a great diving catch in, in shallow center to end the inning. We go all the way to the seventh now. Tim Hill in for the Padres. Davies would go six in this one. Give up eight hits, not great, but only the three runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. Hill would have a clean inning of work, and we go to the top of the eighth. But gone, he came in, coming back from IL, his second start from coming back. He would have a one, two, three inning and two strikeouts. Bottom eight, new pitcher for the Dodgers. Gonsolin, he went seven in this one. He pitched well. Four hits, one earned, no walks. And two strikeouts. Only two strikeouts. It was it was a frustrating day for the Padres. You know, they were putting the ball in play. It was just a lot of ground balls and flyouts. They just couldn't get on base. Only only four hits through seven for them. Didn't have we didn't get anything going in the eighth. Top of the ninth, Craig Stamen, of all people, he comes in. And actually, he uh, he shut it down. He also, with Pagan, had a 1-2-3 inning with two strikeouts. He's been really good as of late. I, I kind of talked about this in the pilot where you could have a Cinderella story, you know, where he's been shit all year, and then it's like the Disney movie where he comes out and it's like, or it's like Major League Two, if you guys have seen that, with uh, Charlie Sheen, and he comes out and he's, you know, wild thing, and he, he, he's like, I want Pittman. And so he walks a batter to get to load the bases. And then he strikes out Pittman to win, and to, to win the game. And if you haven't seen the movie, this makes no sense. But if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's great. Bottom of the ninth now. Kenley Jansen, the closer for the Dodgers, comes in. Now, he's struggled against the Padres. Uh, nine career blown saves against them. And uh, tonight was, uh, yes, last night was no different. He struggled again. Lead-off batter Tatis, he got him out. Tatis grounded out. But then Machado comes up. He works a seven-pitch at bat, gets a single. He's on first. Next batter, Moreland, he hits a blooper to shallow center. Dodgers can't get there, so now we got runners first and second. Mate um, Mateo comes in, the pinch run for Moreland. And so we, we've got some action. Bottom of the nine here. This is what the parties do all year. They're never out of games. They keep fighting, keep crawling, keep trying to come back. Next batter, Austin Nola. Jensen walks him. So now we got bases loaded. Almonte comes in to run for Nola. So we got... So here's the situation. Bases juiced. We got speed demons on first and second with Almonte and Mateo. One out in the inning. And up comes Will Myers. Now, I have been... <laughs> since my take on Will Myers... He's been in, he's been phenomenal. He's been hitting home runs. He's been getting extra base hits, all this stuff. And so when he came up, bases loaded, one out. I'm thinking, all right, is he going to hit a grand slam? Right? They had it all set up. They had the Slam Diego counter on the screen. This was I thought this was going to be the moment. He was going to walk it off. I was going to go crazy. I was going to Snapchat. The holy shit, they did it again, Slam Diego. It just was not the case tonight. Just wasn't meant to be. Will would strike out on three pitches. But only two outs, so we still got a chance here. The rookie from Michigan, Jake Cronenworth, steps up. 
Last chance for the Padres. 2-2 count. Pitch on its way. And Cronenworth, unfortunately, he strikes out on a high fastball. Jensen survives. It's a big save for him. That would have been a killer for him if he loses that game. The Dodgers do end up winning it. They take game two, three to one. It ends the Padres' eight-game winning streak. We had a chance in this one, like I said. Just, you know, made a lot of contact. Kept getting the ball in play. Just couldn't get on base. Could not get it done in the ninth. But, you know, still, this is a great team. Looking forward to the playoffs, right? The win streak was going to end eventually. It's, you know, it's tough. It's a tough one to lose, especially when you get in that position. Bases loaded, one out, bottom of the ninth. You know, somebody with Myers that's been hitting so well. Cronenworth has been struggling, but, uh, you know, missed opportunities. And that's what, you know, you really you really got to capitalize on those opportunities, especially come playoff times, and especially against a team that's as good as the Dodgers. I want to talk about Tatis Jr. real quick. Fernando, he's 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 been in a really bad slump. He continues to struggle. His batting average is now at a 286. It was north of three a few weeks ago. These are his numbers in September. He's only batting 200, only has nine hits, and has struck out 10 times. I have faith in this guy, though. I don't think I don't think it was a fluke, you know, him getting all this praise, and he's going to be the new face of baseball. Maybe, you know, the moments, maybe it's gotten to him a little bit. Got to remember, he's only 21 and have all this pressure to be mic'd up in a primetime game, all these things. Maybe it got to him a little bit, but I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll get it together. I actually think that he'll maybe get it together tonight. Or not tonight. It's an afternoon game. It's weird. It's Wednesday afternoon. Strange. On a more positive note, though, Eric Hosmer, he took some at-bats yesterday at practice. Hopefully he'll be back soon. And Chris Paddock, he also is on his way back from the ankle injury he suffered in his last start. This afternoon, though, we have the final game of this series against the Dodgers on the mound for us. It's going to be Adrian Morajon. He has a 2-0 record and a 2.53 ERA. He's had a really solid year. His last couple of he's yeah his last couple of appearances coming in into relief have been really good. This is going to be his third start of the season for the Dodgers. It's going to be Dustin May. He has a 1-1 record with a 2.81 ERA. In his last start, he left early. He uh, took a comebacker off his foot. And so he, he, I don't think he went on IL, but he, he, he only pitched the one inning in that one. He's had two really good starts against the Padres this year. In his first one, he was dominant. He, he was lights out. Six innings, three hits, two earned, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Padres lost that one 5-2. to two. In his second, he was still good, but the Padres did end up winning 2-1. to one. He went six innings, five hits, two earned, two walks, and two strikeouts. May is disgusting. He, he throws gas, first of all, but then also the amount of movement he gets on his fastball. Oh, it's insane. In that first game against the Padres where he struck out eight, I mean, it's a fastball. It, the, oh, it's just... It, <laughs> It's insane how much the ball moves on his two-seamer. I, I, It's just, he's a wizard. It's crazy. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Wizards can be beaten. This would be a huge win for the Dodgers, or for Jesus Christ. This would be a huge win for the Padres. 
First things first, I'd get the series win. That'd feel great. Second, that would tie the Dodgers in the season series. That would be crazy. When's the last time the Padres have tied the Dodgers in a season series? That'd be insane. And then third, probably the biggest thing, they'd only be one and a half games back of the Dodger for that one seed in the playoffs with 10 games to go. So let's get the dub tonight. Come on, Tatis. Get get it going. Let's pick it up. Let's play some good baseball. Hopefully Marjone does well. I think it's going to be a bullpen game most likely. So bullpen's been playing really well. So let's keep it going. Let's get that series win. Let's carry the momentum for these last 10 games. Let's get that one seat. All right, to close it out today, we are going to talk some football. I'm going to be talking about my top 10 teams in the NFL. We had a great week one of football. That's a bummer with football, though. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fly by so fast. I was talking to one of my buddies about this where I felt, I felt like a kid on Christmas Eve, Saturday night, just waiting for football. I couldn't, couldn't really sleep that well. And so week one's already over and I already know that the season's going to fly by where before I know it, I'll be on this podcast talking about, okay, week 17 and it'll just be so sad. It's going to, it's going to fly by. But anyway, so top 10 teams after week one here, I do want to say first things first, this is my opinion. So if you don't agree, then, uh, then screw you. <laughs> no, um, if you don't agree, yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your own opinion. Uh, I think you could leave a voice message on Anchor.fm. I believe I set that up. Right now, I also want to set up a Facebook page where I start posting more things. Again, it's a learning curve. I'm trying to figure things out. It's a brand new thing that I'm trying trying to get better every week, and I think I've been doing that so far. But there definitely is some growing pains. But, yeah, so anyways, top 10 teams in the NFL will do this every week. Here we go. At number 10, I got the Green Bay Packers. We had vintage Aaron Rodgers last week, four touchdowns. I think he's on a farewell tour this season. He is going to light up the league. This team can also run the ball. You have Devontae Adams, a stud on his day, the, one of the best wide receivers in football. They, they look like they might have a potential second wide receiver emerging here. Alan Lazard. He kind of showed glimpses at the end of last year. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he was supposed to be the guy when he came in a few years back, but maybe now he's making that stride. Green Bay does need a second weapon on offense. They can't do it. Adams can't do it alone. He tries his damnedest, but he does need support. The real question mark about this team, though, is their defense. They didn't address it in the draft. They said, now we're going to pick Jordan Love. We're going to go a running back early as well. We're going to pick up some offensive tackles. They did pick up a linebacker, but it was late in the draft. They they still this team is still going to struggle against the run. You might Green Bay did win on their opening day against the Minnesota, but you you might not have seen this in the stats unless you look deeper. Minnesota ran um, ran the ball 22 times for 134 yards. They averaged six yards a carry. If they weren't down in that game. It might have been more and cause, because they had to pass. So, again, I think long-term, Green Bay probably will fall off this list. They're, they're on the precipice right now. They're just hanging on the edge. But I think Rodgers is going to have a great season. At number nine, I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't, don't freak out about Tom Brady, okay? He's going to figure it out, all right? He did have two interceptions. There was one that was really bad. He just can't. That's not what Tom Brady does. Tom Brady does not throw those 
those out routes. Okay, he he doesn't he has he's more of the finesse accurate guy. If if you if you watch the Bucks on Sunday, his first drive was was incredible. He had a great pass down the sideline. He had another one to Evans that that would have been caught if not for the PI. He'll be just fine. The other pick in that game was on Mike Evans. There was a miscommunication and Brady threw it. It wasn't really his fault. There's a lot of new pieces on in this offense, so there's going to be a learning curve. They'll figure it out. The reason why this team is going to be good, right, once Brady figures out, is this defense is for real. This is a very good defense. They got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Uh, they held the Saints offense under 300 yards, 270 on the day for them. So look out for Tampa. They'll probably climb this list. At number eight, and I want to put them higher, is the San Francisco 49ers. I know they lost, okay? And, yes, I am. they are my favorite team. I am a fan. I am a little bit biased, probably, but let's calm down on the Niners here, okay? First things first, they were terrible on third down in this one. 2 of 11, and then also on fourth down, they were 0 for 2, okay? Jimmy G, he had a really rough game. Keep in mind, and I'll talk about this tomorrow, I did have to move the quarterback conversation. Just wasn't enough time in this episode. I'll talk about it tomorrow, but give Jimmy G some slack, okay? He was out playing Mahomes in that Super Bowl for three out of the four quarters. Yes, he missed a wide open Emmanuel Sanders, but this he's good. He's serviceable. He'll he'll do a job. All right. This is one of the best defensive lines in the league. They're missing their best wide receiver in Debo Samuel. They're they're missing Ayuk, their rookie out of Arizona State. He didn't play in this one. Kittle was banged up in the second half. He hurt his knee in the right at right at the end of the second quarter. So they're gonna be fine. This is they they they're very clever on offense. Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller. He knows what he's doing. There is one thing I am concerned about though, and it is the secondary. Hopkins was an animal on Sunday. They just put Sherman on the IL. He'll be out for three weeks. This is a great team though. And they'll rebound from the week one loss. They'll win this coming weekend. Like I said, I thought they might come out a little bit flat. There's that Super Bowl hangover. Atlanta did that when they lost to the Patriots. I thought it might happen this year, but this is a great team. At seven, we got the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, he's the best quarterback in the league. I know Mahomes is flashy, and he's great. He's got a great arm, and he's ridiculous, but he's not there yet. Same with Lamar Jackson, great athlete, better passer than Michael Vick. He's and he's Michael Vick, but a better passer. They're great, but Russell Wilson has all the attributes. Game on the line. He's incredible. He was great in this one. Only had four incompletions, and one of them was a drop by DK Metcalf. So he's remarkable. This is his ninth season in the league, and he's never had a losing season in the NFL. I love Russell Wilson. If he wasn't in the NFC West and he didn't play for the Raiders, right? Like he wasn't on the Raiders either, I would have his jersey. He's that good. I love him so much. Jamal Adams also, he was incredible. He's the second best player in in the league on defense, I would say. Only behind Aaron Donald. He was all over the field. He can play linebacker. He can play corner. He can play safety. He could even he could even probably line up in defensive tackle if you needed him to. Besides him, though, they really only have Bobby Wagner, linebacker, and then Shaquille Griffin, good corner. They don't really have that much else, and that's really my concern with Seattle. 
They gave up over 500 yards of offense to Atlanta. And if Atlanta was better on fourth down, they were 0 for 4 in this game. That game is probably a lot closer, and I think maybe Atlanta wins it. Maybe not because Russell was just so insane, but I do have concerns about their defense long term. But again, this team, they'll win 9 or 10 games. Russell Wilson is just too good. You can't stop him. At number 6, we are circling the wagons. Nobody is nobody circles the wagons quite like the Buffalo Bills. They got one of the best defenses in the league. I love their head coach, Sean McDermott. He's great. I love the, I actually love the tandem with him and the GM. The key to the Bills' success, though, this year, it's Josh Allen. There's two things that he needs to get better at. One is he's got to limit his mistakes. In the opener, he fumbled twice. He had a great game, but he fumbled twice, and he should have been picked off once. He does this thing, and a lot of young rookies do it. But he has, you know, normally the rookies do it on bad teams. Josh has a really good team. He has a really good defense. He just tries to do too much at times, where he'll be extending the play plays because he's such a great athlete, great runner of the ball, and he'll extend plays, and instead of just throwing it away or taking the sack or just you know running out of bounds or sliding, he just tries to go above and beyond, and he gets into trouble. If he cuts his mistakes down, tries to live to fight, fight another day, this is going to be a really good Bills team. The second thing he has to work on, he's got to be a better passer, which is crazy to say when talking about Josh Allen because when, when you talk to people, you, they say, oh, my God, yeah, Josh Allen is so great. I just wish he could pass the ball better. <laughs> As a quarterback, that's not something you want to hear. He looked great on Sunday, though. Now, granted, it was the Jets, but Stephon Diggs, he looked big. Uh, he, he looked big. He, looked, uh, he had a really good – game he was big for them and i think that's going to be a really key signing john brown john brown as well cole beasley that's a really solid wide receiver core so can he limit his mistakes and can he pass the ball better he is terrible at throwing it deep but i think that if he does those two things the bills have a really good chance of making a making a playoff run at number five we got the patriots don't doubt belichick he is way too good they'll win this division again probably against the bills we'll see the defense is still dominant. Cam, Lute, Cam Newton, he looked great. He was back to his former self. Long-term, long term though, I do worry about this offense. They only scored 21 points against Miami team. Obviously, their defense is better this year, but still. What happens if they can't run the ball? Newton only passed the ball 19 times. I think on Sunday night, we'll get a good picture of how they'll look. That's my really my only concern, though. This is going to be a really good team. Coming in at number four, this is probably a big jump, but I got Pittsburgh. I got the Steelers here. I know it was the Giants. I know that they dominated the Giants, right? It's not saying much. Giants are a terrible team. But I think that we might have watched the best events in the league. They have talent all over the field on defense. Big Ben, he also looked good in his return. Shook off the rust in the first quarter and then ended the game really well. I'm glad he's back. I've always liked Ben Ben. I've always liked you know, the passion he plays with. He's a tough quarterback. He hangs in there. This offense has great weapons at receiver. They run the ball well. Basically, it comes down to two things for Pittsburgh. Number one, can they stay healthy? Can Big Ben stay healthy? Can the offense stay healthy? Can everybody on the team stay healthy? And then number two, can they do it against the great teams? Can they beat Baltimore in Baltimore? Can they beat the Chiefs on the road? Can they go to Foxborough and get a win? 
that's the big test. Mike Tomlin knows this great head coach. He knows that in order for them to take the next step, that's what they got to do. Number three, we got the Saints. They're my Super Bowl favorite this year. Great defensive line, solid secondary. Emmanuel Sanders was a huge pickup for them. He's going to bring a lot of consistency to that offense. This team is hungry. They play with a chip on their shoulder. They felt like they got hosed a couple years ago against the Rams, that P.I. call. Last year, too, maybe with the Kyle Rudolph touchdown against Minnesota, they, they always play hungry. They always feel like they're the underdogs. Big thing, though, Michael Thomas, it just came out today. He's going to miss several weeks with an ankle injury, so they're going to need somebody to step up. I don't maybe maybe more Taysom Hill, maybe their younger receiver Smith as well. Their offense did look a little bit shaky on Sunday, but I think that they'll figure it out. They got a great coach in Sean Payton. Drew Brees could be his last season. Maybe a farewell tour for him as well. Maybe maybe Aaron Rodgers moves to the Saints. Ooh, hello. <laughs> At number two, we got the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar he picked up right where he left off. The defensive line got a lot better too. They add, they add that. They add Calais Campbell from the Jags and Derek Wolf from the Broncos. Surprised they let him go. To an already solid defense with great linebackers and a solid secondary. This team, people have been talking about, they have a really good shot at going 16-0 this year. Crazy. Obviously, long-term, I think that there's only two big concerns. Their wide receiver core scares me a little bit. Now, they don't really sling it a lot. And they do have Mark Andrews, but, you know, you have Willie Sneed in there who, uh, he's okay. He's, he's serviceable. But, you, you you know, you got a couple of young guys in there. They're, they're really looking for Marquise Hollywood Brown to take the second step. I think he has the talent to do it. He's up there with Debo as far as, you know, second-year wide receivers that I think could be really solid for the teams. And then, yeah, the other thing, can Lamar be better in the playoffs looking way down the road right this team will make the playoffs can Lamar do it he is young obviously but you know in his two playoff games he has been abysmal can he pick it up in the primetime games in the games against the Chiefs the the Steelers things like that something to look forward to and something to look into down the stretch and the number one team it's going to be them until they get defeated the Kansas City Chiefs Mahomes in this ridiculous offense, they're going to be so hard to stop. It's They're already insane, and then they add the rookie, Clyde Edwards, a layer to that. He had a great debut on Thursday. Defense has key players, right? They have the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. They have Chris Jones, who they were able to re-sign, and then Frank Clark as well. But it's not the best unit on the defensive side, but I think that they've built it to cater to their offense. Let me explain. So... They invested in pass rushers, right? So they have Clark and Jones, and then they have a really good safety and Matthew that does everything. When you play the Chiefs, you have to be able to score offense because the Chiefs just will constantly score, constantly score, right? So as the game goes on, the other team most likely has to pass it more. So even if the pass rushers don't get there in the first, second, third quarter, eventually they're going to get they'll, – they'll hit home, and eventually they'll cause – mistakes they'll cause interceptions they'll cause turnovers that's the brutal thing if you turn the ball over on kansas city it's very hard to come back from that so again not the best off not the best defense in the world but the offense just makes up for it and then some 
Can you stop this offense? I don't know. You can slow them down. The Niners did a really good job for three and a half quarters. They had the they had the breakdown on the Tyreek Hill play that sparked the comeback by the Chiefs. So brutal. Again, this team, they just, on paper, they're going to be in the playoffs. They'll be in the AFC Championship. It's just... Can anyone slow down this offense? That's the main thing. Because you can move the ball. Because you can move the ball against this defense. Houston did once they figured it out. They did move the ball against the defense, so they are beatable. There you have it, though. That is my top ten teams in the NFL after Week One. Honorable mentions: I got the Rams at eleven. Uh, you could probably swap them with the Packers. I did give the edge to Rodgers, though. They have the better quarterback. The Rams might have the better defense overall, but I think that giving them having the better quarterback, they get the edge. At 12, I have Arizona. They're in a tough defense. They're in a tough division, and they have good players on defense. Buda Baker, a couple of other guys. They'll improve over the year. I think that they had a really good game plan against the Niners that they executed well. But, uh, you know, so they'll be, they'll be a solid team. And then in 13, I got Minnesota. They were embarrassed against the Packers. Again, they lost a lot of pieces on defense. Mike Zimmer, he'll figure it out. That offense, they're too good not to be successful. They will figure it out as well. They will play better. Just keep them out of primetime games, and they'll be good. Whew. What an episode, man. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to follow me on Twitter, at John Yerkes, or follow the podcast on Instagram, at Yerks Talks or both. I'm working on a Facebook page. I had some technical difficulties with that yesterday. I ran into some problems. Like I said, I'm new to all this, trying to get things going, trying to get better every day, make progress, all that's all that stuff. So stick with me. If you do stick with me too, it'd be cool to see the process long term, right? Maybe a couple months down the road to see how much the progress has improved. Oh man, that's exciting. With all that being said, though, that is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next one.